It is day four of Daf Chav Kimmel. We are holding the Gemara Daf Chav Kimmel on the base right at the top of the page on the very first line. Yesterday we suggested that the decree that we learnt in our Mishnah, that a newly created utensil that was created in the state of Tahara of ritual purity, is assumed to be ritually impure and requires dipping in a mikvah, that that decree is not consistent across all types of new utensils. There are actually two categories. There's the first category as taught in our Mishnah. That, Rebeliezer says, you have to assume it's ritually impure, but that means you only have to dip it in a mikveh, but not that you have to wait until nightfall. You don't have to wait for Har of Shemesh until nightfall before using it. That's the general rule for most new utensils created in a state of ritual purity. And then you have a second category, which is the reed tube that we talked about yesterday, a new utensil that's created specifically for the purposes of using it for the ashes of the paraduma where in that case, the rabbis gave it an elevated status of ritual impurity. Asa'ua kitmei sheretz, we said yesterday. The rabbis made this tube the equivalent of a sheretz contaminated object. And a sheretz contaminated object, it wouldn't be enough to to just dip it in a mikveh before using it. You would have to wait before nightfall before using it. So there are two types of new utensils. There's the new utensils that just have the regular rabbinic decree, not used for the ashes of the paraduma, where it's enough to dip them in a mikvah and not wait till night before, before using them. And then there are the utensils like the reed tube, which are specifically created for the use in the service of the paraduma of the red heifer, where the rabbis elevated the status and gave it a status of ritual impurity equivalent to a t- uh, something that touched a sheret, something that touched an insect, whereby you would need not just to dip it in a mikvah, but generally speaking, you would need to wait until nightfall before using it. That's what we said yesterday. The Gemara now queries this. The Gemara says, If that's the case, that this reed tube is treated like a sheretz contaminated object, something that touches a sheretz, then it shouldn't have the capacity to render a person tummy. People or utensils can contract tumor only from an avatuma, not from a rishon latuma. A rishon is one step removed from an av from the source of the tumor. So the sheretz itself is the avatuma, the insect is the av. The tube, which we've said is considered like a sheretz contaminated object, that would be then a rishon. If it was contaminated by a sheretz, if that's how we consider it, then it's considered to have touched an av and it's contaminated as a rishon latuma. Now, a rishon cannot transmit tumor to a person or a utensil, and therefore a person who handles the tube should not become tummy. That should be the rule. But if that's the rule, Allah Matanya, why then have we got a Brysa that teaches against that rule? The Brysa says, that the one who cuts the tube or immerses it requires immersion, that the tube which is tome transmits tumma to the person who touches it while they're cutting it or immersing it. But why is that the case? We've just said that people utensils can only contract tumor from an av, not from a rishon. So if the rabbis made this reed tube on the level of something that was contaminated by touching a sheretz, then it would follow that it's a rishon. If it's a rishon, it should not be able to contaminate a person. And yet the Brysa says it does contaminate a person. So the Gemara says, Ve'ela asa'ua kitmei meis. Maybe then the Gemara says, rather than suggesting that the rabbis elevated the status of this reed tube to something that was contaminated by touching a sheretz, an insect, maybe instead let's suggest that they elevated it to the status of something that touched a corpse. Because something that touches a corpse 
actually has the capacity to convey tumma to another person or utensil, as Rashi proves specifically or, or shows us from a pasuk. So maybe rather than suggesting the rabbis elevated its ritual impurity, its tumma status, to something attached to sheretz, which would not have the capacity to contaminate a human, maybe what we're suggesting here is that the rabbis elevated the status to something that attached a corpse, because a corpse, something that touches a corpse, can then contaminate a person. So that would be consistent with the Bryce that we just quoted. But Ihaki, but if that's the case, that they elevated the status of this reed tube to something that touched a corpse, Tibai Hazars Shlishi then it should require sprinkling on the third and seventh days in order to become Tahor. It shouldn't be enough to just dip it in a mikvah and wait until nightfall. Anything that touches a corpse requires a special ritual purity process, which is seven-day period, dipping on the third and the seventh day, sprinkling, sorry, on the third and the seventh day, and then waiting till the end of the seventh day before it becomes Tahor. But Alama Tanya, if that's the case, then why do we have a Brysa that suggests that's not the case? The Brysa says the one who cuts the tube or immerses it requires immersion, as we said a moment ago. But you see from this Brysa that immersion is required for someone who touches the reed tube or cuts it up. But sprinkling on the third and seventh day is not required. So the Gemara says... If you're going to tell me that the rabbis made this reed tube like something that was contaminated by a sheretz, well, that can't be because something contaminated by a sheretz should not be able to render a person ritually impure. And the Bryce says that the, this person who touches the reed tube can be rendered impure by the reed tube and does have to go to the mikvah. And if you're going to suggest that maybe the rabbis made the reed tube contaminated as if it was contaminated by a corpse and that is why it's able to contaminate the person who touches it or cuts it up but then it should follow that that person would have to have sprinkling on the third and seventh day they need this seven day process and sprinkling on the third and seventh day to become ritually pure but the brysa implies that's not required only that he needs to go to the mikvah but not that he has to have sprinkling on the third and seventh day Ella, rather, the Gemara says, They treated it not like someone who touched a sheret and not like someone who touched a corpse. Rather, they treated it like a corpse-contaminated object on the seventh day of its purification process. So it's like something touched by a corpse in some ways, that it requires immersion and hire of Shemesh waiting until nightfall, but only like the requirements of the seventh day of the purification process. The rest of the seven days, the sprinkling on the southern seventh day is not required. Only the fact that it requires mikvah and waiting until the nightfall on the seventh day of its purification process. That is how the rabbis assigned this tube, a status of a corpse-contaminated utensil on the seventh day, after it's been sprinkled on the third day and the seventh day, such utensil will make a person tummy if they touch it, but only requires dipping in a mikvah and waiting till nightfall to become Toho. So the Gemara says, Vahatanya, but wait a minute, haven't we learnt otherwise in the following Brysa? The Brysa says, that the rabbis, while they were concerned that the deliberate rendering of the Kohen who was doing the service of the Paraduma, deliberately making him Tomei, as we said over the last couple of days, which was done for the purposes of rejecting and repudiating the view of the Sadducees, they were concerned that that might cause people 
to be lax about the laws of Tuma and Tara when it comes to the Paraduma, when it comes to the service of the ashes of the Paraduma. And therefore, to counteract that, they did institute various stringencies in the laws of Tuma and Tara, ritual purity and impurity, in the service of the ashes of the Paraduma. But even though they instituted these stringencies, they never innovated a matter of Tuma. They never created a rule that was brand new. So the Gemara says, how can you suggest that this cut tube is treated as if it contracted tumor from a corpse on the seventh day of their ritual purity process? Wouldn't that constitute an innovation? And we say in this price that they never innovated in the stringencies of Tumantara for the ashes of the Paradamon. Wouldn't this be an innovation? So the Gemara answers, Amar Abai, Abai says, no, this is not an innovation. I'll tell you what an innovation is. They never said any complete innovation that assigns a tumor to an article which is actually not susceptible to tumor at all. That's what they didn't do. They didn't create tumor for something that could never become tummy. What is an example of something that just should not become tummy? That you would say, hey, if they said that was tummy, that would be an innovation. That is the example that Abai gives is a spade. A spade is the seat of a zav. As we know, a zav that sits on something makes it tummy. And someone else who sits on that also becomes tummy. But it only applies to certain types of seat. And that's what Abaye is coming to teach us. That there are certain types of seat which cannot become Tomei. And if the rabbis had said, ah, oh, such a seat becomes Tomei, that would be an innovation. So Abaye continues to elaborate. Because Italian as we learned in a Abraisa, the Abraisa quotes a Pasuk that anyone who sits on a utensil upon which the Zav sits should immerse his garments and immerse himself in the water and remain Tomei until the evening. You might think from this pasuk that if a zav turned over a container that's there to hold a sa'a, which is a, a measure of volume, or a tarakav, or he turned over a container that's there to, to hold a measure of a tarakav, which is also a measure of volume, and sat on it, you might think he'd be tame. You might think he could take anything, even though it's not normally a seat, and sit on it and make it tame because that's Tomei Moshev, because he sat on it. Talmud Loma, the, the Bryce says that's not the case. It cannot be anything that he sits on. How do we know that? Because the Apostle says, Anyone who sits on a utensil upon which the Zav sits will become Tomei. But look at the Apostle carefully. It doesn't say anything. Yashav means in the past tense. Anything that the Zav sat on will become Tomei. It says, anything that he will sit on in the future. In other words, not just that he sat on it randomly now once, but he will sit on it again in the future. We have to, we're dealing with something here, the, the Bryson says, that is going to be used again as a chair. It's something that is normally used to sit on. We're talking about something that is reserved for sitting on. So excluded is a utensil. Like this measuring container, upon which the Zov, we would say to the Zov sitting on it, look, get up, we've got to do our work with this utensil. It's not a chair. What are you doing sitting on it? What do you think this is? You can sit on anything you want. It's not a chair. So such an item would not become tummy. Similarly, Abaye says a spade, which is not reserved for sitting on, is not susceptible to becoming tummy as the seat of a Zov. And the rabbis never innovated that in regards to para aduma it would. But that is an innovation. In contrast, the rabbis might very well have treated a cut tube as if it contracted tumor from a corpse on the seventh day after the sprinkling, though in fact it did not contract such tumor. That is not considered to be an innovation that the rabbis wouldn't have done because the tube is indeed susceptible to such tumor. It could become tummy like that. And even though it didn't in this case, the rabbis decreed that it's considered as if it did. That's not an innovation. They didn't create an idea of tumor that wasn't there. 
The fact is such a tube could become Tomei in that way, but a spade could never become Tomei as the Moshe of the seat of Azov, and that is the type of Tumor that the Brisa says the rabbis would never have innovated in the case of the ritual impurity of uh, the Para Aduma, that the stringency is given to the ritual impurity associated with the ashes of the Para Aduma. We're going to hold it here for today. I wish you all a very good day.